Welcome to this week's episode of the HC Hive, a podcast about all things HCI, UX, and grad school. We're now in Hershali, students in Georgia Tech's Human Computer Interaction Program. In this episode, we will be continuing our series on job hunting and talking about the do's and don'ts of resumes and portfolios. On the episode today, we have Joshua, Victoria, and Aditi. Joshua, why don't you start off the introductions and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name is Joshua Galang. I'm a second year student in the HCI program in interactive computing, and I enjoy using technology in order to tell stories from UX design to 3D modeling, AR, and right now I'm writing interactive storybooks. Wow, that's really intense off the bat. Wow, okay. We get into um, so much for joining us. Uh, that sounds really cool, and I just want to hear more about it. Um, so thanks for being here. Uh, Victoria, how about you? Hello, everyone. I'm Victoria. I'm also a second year in the MSHCI program as part of the interactive computing track. So I did my bachelor's in computer science. During my time studying CS, I realized that I wanted to know not just like how to make things, but why we should be making them. So that's why I decided to pursue HCI and I'm currently pursuing a career in UX and visual design. Great, thanks for that introduction. Um, I actually didn't know that about you. So there I learned. Uh, thanks for being here, Victoria. And finally, Aditi, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so hi everybody, I'm Aditi. I'm a first year MSHCI student. I have a background in psychology and neuroscience, and I worked with older adults for about two years at a neuroscience program out in the Bay Area. And I love doing research, and I wanted to do something a little bit more fast-paced, and that's how I got into ATI, and I'm really happy to be here. Shout out to neuroscience, Bay Area, and research. <laughs> woo, woo. We love- yeah, we love all of that. We love neuroscience, we love the Bay Area, we love visual design, we love interactive stories. Books, so really, really happy that you all were able to join us today. Um, but yeah, so let's kind of just jump right into it by first tackling resumes. So resumes are pretty standard practice for almost any job, but UX and HCI are somewhat unique in that we also have portfolios, which we'll touch on a little bit later. But what role do you all think resumes play in the job hunting process as we're kind of all like for our second years on the call, like looking for full-time jobs and then Aditi as a first year looking for internships, like what do you all think we should aim to communicate through our resume? Maybe Victoria, you can um, kind of start us off on this one. So I think the role of a resume is kind of to give like a preview or summary of yourself. So like anything you feel kind of passionate about or something you're comfortable talking about in terms of your experience or work is something that you should include. Uh, It's supposed to communicate, I guess, like where you've been, what you're doing and where you're going in terms of like your goals. Yeah, that's a great, like very concise way to think about it. I love the part where you're like where you've been, what you're doing now and like where you want to go. I think that's a great way to put it. Aditi, what about you? Like from your experience, like what do you think we should put on our resumes or what should we communicate? Yeah, so I think that your resume should really tell your story. So it should be kind of like your elevator pitch, but on paper, because that's how long prospective employers will take to look at your resume. So it should really highlight the most relevant parts of your journey. There's no point putting a volunteer position you did in high school if that doesn't pertain to the kind of job that you're looking to get. 
you should really be putting your best foot forward. And I think for everyone that means no grammatical errors, because I think your resume conveys your diligence. That's one of the things that you want prospective employers to understand. And additionally, for researchers and designers, I think the attention to detail is really important. So things like spacing, color, typography, you should really be able to convey your brand as well as very concisely tell exactly what Victoria said. So where you've been, where you are and where you're going. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you're definitely right in terms of like in our field, attention to detail is so important. As for other fields, but I feel like things just not only the content that you're adding on there and like kind of quantifying your experience if you have to, but just the spacing, the layout, kind of like the whole document itself. Yeah, that's really great to hear. And then Josh, what are your thoughts? Like, what are you trying to communicate through resumes? So from a design standpoint, resumes are kind of tricky, especially because you can't exactly show your work on them. You have to describe your projects and your experiences using concise language, and you have to kind of save your whole project description for the portfolio, which is pretty interesting. You have to keep the essentials and kind of have a bare bones version of your career to show off through this resume. And that is kind of really important with those first impressions. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I, I almost feel like, you know, just Joshua hearing you sort of spell that out, it kind of reminds me of like UX writing and kind of using like language as as like your design, you know, or like the way you design something through words, you know, what are you trying to convey the value that you want to convey through a resume? I think you have to craft it really well. So that's really interesting to hear you kind of spell it out that way. And yeah, Victoria, I think you just provided a really concise, like, here's what it, sh it should be. And Aditi, I, I definitely agree that it's, it's like an elevator pitch on paper. I think that's a really great way to think about it. But, you know, kind of getting into the nitty gritty of resumes and especially thinking about us as designers and researchers, what do you think like goes into a good resume and what are kind of like the components that can help you craft like that, that snapshot, uh, that snapshot or that elevator pitch as, as Aditi put it? Aditi, maybe you can start us off on this one with, you know, your thoughts on like a resume for research. Yeah, absolutely. So for research, I think one of the most important things to convey is impact. So how did your research create an impact in some way for the organization that you were working for or how it, it always doesn't have to be a quantitative measure. It's great if you have numbers, but if you can talk about that impact qualitatively too, so by indicating like how you got some element of novelty to the space using your research, I think that's really important to communicate as researchers. The other thing is, I think just generally all UX researchers should try to make their resume non-researcher friendly. So try to use verbiage and try to use language that feels accessible to everyone because you'll have recruiters looking at your resume, you'll have hiring managers looking at your resume, and a lot of the times their, their levels of expertise might be in different areas. So you want to make sure that you don't scare anyone off or if people don't understand what, what you did, that they probably won't be able to envision you working in the space that they want you working in. So it's really important to make it sort of non-researcher friendly. So for my resume, I used the STAR framework. STAR stands for Situation, Task, Action, and Results. So if you have all four of those in a work description, I would say that that's really good. And a final word on keywords. I know that they're all the rage and 
you know, they're important. But I would say don't just list them and leave them at that. So show how you applied those methods or those skills or use that software somewhere in where you're describing your past work. So yeah, that would be my little spiel on a good research resume. I love that. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think like it's easy for researchers and I think for designers as well to just kind of like nerd out on kind of like the cool stuff that we do like within research or design, but you're so right. Like we have to, we have to take almost like a U.S. approach to our own mm -hmm. resumes and be like, what is experience of this resume. Yeah, absolutely. Make it outward facing, make it like important to someone who doesn't do what we do. I think that's like such an important thing to keep in mind. So thank you for just all of that wisdom. But Victoria and Joshua, you know, thinking about a designer's resume, like what are what are kind of your thoughts on what creates an effective resume for you guys? Maybe Victoria, you can share your thoughts first. I really agree with what uh, Aditi said. I think a lot of it carries over to a design resume and resumes in general in terms of showing like the problem and the solution that you came up with. One thing I think is like, uh, if you don't have like design experience to put like starting out, there are a lot of ways that you can like incorporate those buzzwords or the experience in like a creative way. So like saying you designed something when you like made a solution to a problem or if you worked in customer service, you basically played a role in the user experience in some way. And being able to highlight that is really important and the visuals are especially important for designer resumes because it's like at a glance, your brand should be consistent across your portfolio resume and if you have business cards and stuff like that. And I think one thing of advice that was given to me um, at one of our like classes or something like that was that your resume should make people wanna go from there and learn more about you and go to your portfolio. So it's like, it should make them curious about your work and wanna learn more about these specific projects or talk to you and find out more about them. So it should like, I guess, like inspire like a conversation, if that makes sense. Nice. I, I really like that. Um, I think it really adds to kind of like that initial idea of a resume being like an elevator pitch or like a snapshot of who you are. Yeah, like inspiring conversations, inviting discussion and, and more exploration of like a portfolio or even just reaching out to you personally. I think that's like a great way to think about the resume. So yeah, I, I really like that. Thank you. Joshua, how about you? Yeah, um, I, I agree with everything being said so far in terms of design resumes kind of being a, an extension of your portfolio, kind of leading into it. So having that consistent theme really helps. And then in addition to having the impact, how you affected whoever you worked for in your previous projects or your previous experiences, you could also have your metrics. So you could go into how many contextual inquiries and kind of how those affected your projects and really the impact that research and design kind of collide in order to create your results. So definitely having your impact, but also having the numbers to back it up in case you get asked it later. Wow. Yeah. Those are all great kind of like points that you all shared about like research resumes, design resumes, and just resumes in general. Um, I think Aditi, what you said about like kind of catering to your audience, I think is really important because it's not always like the UX researchers or the UX designers or engineers or whoever. It's never, it doesn't start with them, right? Like it's always a recruiter or someone from a different team that will look at your resume. So making sure that things are in a language that's accessible and just not like 
our like nerdy tech design research jargon to make sure that everyone understands is really great. And I think Victoria, I loved what you said about like, if you don't have the design or the research experience, like kind of figuring out ways to reword experiences you've had like if you worked retail you were part of the user experience or customer experience or if you did this project like you ended up doing some design work I was actually talking to a recruiter yesterday and she was talking about how like on resumes like a lot of times it's important to keep the title the same so if you were like a marketing manager to keep it marketing manager but let's say you did like more web design like you can change the content to fit whatever role you're applying for next. Um, but then the titles like always stay the same because they end up like checking those in the end. Um, but yeah, the whole idea of like resumes being an extension of your portfolio, vice versa, I think is really important. These documents being an extension of ourselves, maybe that's too deep, but we can get into that later. But yeah, so as we mentioned earlier um, in our field, in HCI and UX, we need both. So we need both resumes and portfolios. But now that um, we've kind of chatted about resumes for a little bit, thinking more specifically about portfolios, what do you think a portfolio is meant to achieve? And how is that different from a resume? I mean, we can kind of discuss like the difference between like a design and research one as well. So Josh, would you like to kind of go through like what you think a design portfolio is meant to achieve? Yeah. So in a design portfolio, you really want to emphasize that this is yours. This is your own little place on the internet to show off your own work, your own aesthetic, your kind of style that you want to give these recruiters and give other designers something to see. And you do this by displaying all of your different projects, all the stuff that you've worked on. And you have the opportunity to tell your story from the beginning of the project to uh, through the iterations to the final product. And having a portfolio is a step further than the resume because now you can actually go in depth with these projects and you have the freedom of essentially a website to express yourself instead of one page. Yeah, that's really, I, I love that you said that it's like, your space to, to show what you want to show. Cause I think sometimes we kind of get lost in, in this idea of like portfolios have to follow this certain pattern or like they have to show these things because these are what like companies look for recruiters look for. But I think it's great to emphasize that at the end of the day, it is your website and it is what you want to make out of it and what you want to showcase. Um, so I really love that, Josh. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Victoria, I'm going along the same lines of like a design portfolio or just any type of portfolio. What are your thoughts on what it's meant to achieve. So I definitely agree with what you said and what Josh said about it, like capturing, like, I guess your personality or whatever you choose to express in your space, because I feel like it's supposed to like communicate your, like your values, your creativity, how you design your own portfolio, I feel like says a lot about your work ethic and I guess your creativity in general. Um, because a portfolio is something you spend so much time on content-wise and design-wise that by the time you end up talking about, like, what's on it, you, I feel like you should be proud of, like, what you made, like, and how people view it. So it shows, like, your design thinking, how much consideration you put into, like, the layout, the design work, how people should navigate it. Like, when you make it, you have a specific experience in mind that you want people to go through, like, whether it's, uh, um, like, during an interview or people exploring it on their own. You want to tell your story, and the order you choose to tell it in is pretty significant. 
and you can do it in so many different ways, which is why a portfolio is so cool and that it's way more open than a resume. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I think those are like a lot of great points you brought up, like not only having it be like a space for yourself, as Josh has mentioned, you kind of reiterated, but also being proud of not only the work you put on it, but just being proud in the creation of the site itself. I think that's really important because you're adding a lot of your personality and like your design thinking, all those things to it. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Victoria, again, but I remember Mm -hmm. actually going through your portfolio recently. I think I was just like on the students page and the way it scrolls and like, I think it really showed like who you were as a person. And like, it was very clean and all of that. But anyways, I just wanted to give you a short shout out. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess going on the other side of things, um, Aditi, since you mentioned that you're more interested in like UX research, what are your thoughts on what a portfolio um, is meant to kind of convey? And how is that different, do you think, from like a resume? Yeah. So I think that for research, a portfolio is really to showcase your process So it's a way to describe in your own words how you approach a problem, how you think about it, how you go about solving it, and really focusing on your evolution as a researcher on the projects and through the projects that you do. So I completely agree, Victoria, in the sense that by the end of it, you should be proud of it and you should be proud of the skills that you've sort of gained along the way. Another quick thing would be at least in terms of the resume and portfolio, they should both be, as we talked about, they should both be non-researcher friendly. They should cater to a wide audience. So I think that's good preparation for the future and for working as UX researchers, because that's a lot of what we have to do is uh, put forward our work in a way that it makes sense to everyone. But coming back to what the portfolio is really for, it is really to showcase your process and really to, to show how, how deliberately you did all your research, how you chose your research methods, and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would have that idea to kind of everybody who designed a portfolio. I, I think like a portfolio is a great way, even as a designer or an engineer or a writer, you know, like there's I feel like a portfolio gives you that space. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. That's such an important piece to keep in mind. Um, but, you know, like thinking a little more deeply about kind of the nuts and bolts of portfolios, then all of you guys kind of mentioned different parts of what it's trying to achieve. But like as HCI experts, you know, as people who like craft websites and products and, and UIs, you know, how would you suggest crafting an effective portfolio? What are some key considerations that help you articulate process effectively when designing a portfolio? Victoria, maybe you can start us off on this one. Sure. I actually just went about redesigning my portfolio from scratch quite like recently, like in the past like month or so, and I just finished up like this week. So I'm kind of very familiar with the process right now. Uh, and I kind of started by going through what projects I wanted to include. So I kind of jumped around for like content versus like design. And thinking along those lines of like what I want to showcase and what am I comfortable talking about in an interview. Like you shouldn't put anything on your resume or portfolio that you don't want to elaborate on and that you're not proud of. So everything on there should be stuff that you are very comfortable with and are familiar with. So for the design of it, you have to consider like, I guess, what do you want to communicate in terms of your personality and professionalism and ability? Um, So like how formal should it be? How corporate should it be? Or are you going to do something that's more open and free-flowing? 
And is that okay with you? Like you have to be comfortable with knowing that some people might not like it the way that it is if it's too different, but are those the people you want hiring you anyway? Like who do you want to look at it? So designing for that audience and the job that you want. And then also keeping track how much time you want people to spend on your website. So like how in depth are the project descriptions you're going to include? How many projects are you going to include? And then also a portfolio is something that's kind of ongoing. So how are you going to build it in a way where it's easy to edit and maintain? So choosing a good website builder or being comfortable enough with web development to continuously work on it. Um, These are all like key decisions that you have to make like early on when designing it. A lot to unpack there, (laughs) which I agree with all of it. But um, yeah, I love what you said about kind of like taking almost an iterative approach to the portfolio because you're right like it is kind of this living document that you continuously work on but yeah like I think that's like such a great like kind of logistic consideration and then also kind of taking that UX approach again thinking about who's on the receiving end who's the audience of our portfolio I think those are such important pieces to keep in mind so thank you for that Joshua how about you what what do you think goes into like a, a really good portfolio so I've been working on portfolios like for <laughs> couple years but its current iteration have just kind of been going through a lot of different tools and a lot of different designs and so kind of settling on how you want to present yourself first and then outlining the kind of content you want to put and then kind of starting to lay it out in a prototyping program like I kind of lined mine out in Adobe XD at first just to kind of get a feel for it And I wanted to create something that was reminiscent of like 1950s and 60s retro futuristic kind of optimism. So I made a theme for my portfolio called Optimistic Future because I wanted to kind of bring that back and I was kind of interested in that. So over the course of last year and this year, I kind of worked on implementing this whole theme here where I can present myself with colorful tiles and animations and then city skylines and stuff like that. I kind of wanted to bring back that clean, clean, but colorful aesthetic. And it's just kind of a whole process. I I started out with like a basic idea, kind of working my way up to that and providing a canvas pretty much on which to put all the projects on where the projects, as mentioned by Victoria, are tiles that you're providing the foundation. So you leave spaces there so that you can build up more of your future work. Yeah, I love that you have such a clear vision for like what you want the aesthetic to be. Because like, I, I, especially for designers, I feel like it's, it's another canvas for you guys, I think, you know, you can really kind of express yourself through your portfolios. And that's really fun to see, actually, just going through your guys' portfolios. Uh, it's always really fun to just see that aesthetic and those choices that you make. But yeah, I, I like that you kind of templatized it and, and you can continue to add to it as, as you grow. Yeah, your, um, I started with like using Wix just to kind of get a layout down. <laughs> and then I realized I didn't like the lack of customizing. So I kind of switched to Webflow because I could do so much with it. And then what I didn't know, I could just look up on YouTube to add on. Fair, fair. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, transitioning to research again. Yeah. What what goes into like a great research portfolio, Aditi? What do you think? Yeah. So I am a lot more new to the portfolio business than I think Joshua and Victoria. So I can talk a little bit about the teething problems that researchers often 
might experience when they're starting out making their portfolio. One of the biggest questions for me was how do I get started? And after talking to a lot of people from the program, I realized that the best way to do it is to really take like a UX process approach to the whole thing. So pick some kind of a framework that you're going to use for your content because content is really for a research portfolio. So again, the star format is great, um, shameless plug, but really helps me. So you can use the star format to kind of orient all of your content. And I would say strive for quality over quantity. If you have only two projects that you've done, that's great. Really sort of bring them out for all the content that they can give you. Prioritize what you really want to showcase. And as Victoria said, what you're really proud of. And that's kind of where your content lies. You'll be really tempted to talk about every little thing because as researchers, we're really excited about our research activities and all of the interesting research insights that we found. I would say that's something that I did initially. Very quickly realized that I also need to empathize with the people who are going through my portfolio and I don't want them to look at this ridiculously long web page that they have to scroll through. Finally, yeah, um, this was actually advice given to me by someone from the HCI program. So they said, fit your portfolio to your project and not the other way around. So really think about what you're trying to showcase and think about what needs to shine from your research project before coming up with some kind of template rather than coming up with like a template like these are definitely the sections that need to be on there. It doesn't have to be like that, whatever your content is, try to try to get your template. So yeah, I guess I guess those would be my key considerations for designing a research portfolio. Yeah, I, I definitely hear the wish to just kind of regurgitate everything onto a portfolio and just be like, look at all this cool stuff that happened. So I definitely kind of hear that for sure. Um, but yeah, it's cool to hear from, from you because you like just started out on, on building mm -hmm. a portfolio. So nice kind of experience there. Uh, very cool. But um, I'm going to toss this to you now as, as a seasoned researcher. Um, what, what do you think kind of goes into a, a good research um, portfolio? Yeah. Um, I think I echo a lot of, like what Victoria, Joshua, and Aditi said, um, I think for a research portfolio or just portfolios in general, like we talked about catering to like your audience, not really just only focusing on like the designers and researchers out there, but just kind of anyone who might look at your website. But in terms of like when I started making a portfolio, I remember, I think it's really easy for us to get caught up in like other people's portfolios. So like, I remember I also had to start from scratch, like you, Aditi, like I didn't know where to start because my background was business and in business, you just kind of rely on your LinkedIn profile and your resume, like portfolios weren't really a thing. So, um, and I didn't have like really any, I didn't have a lot of like strong projects that I really wanted to put on there, but I just remembered like some considerations that I thought about was so, um, with like within business, like I studied marketing and I had like a lot of marketing experience. So I thought of this site in the sense of like when we did, when I like helped with like designing websites, but from a marketing perspective, it was like, what is going to be the click through rate? Like what is going to be the retention rate? What's the bounce rate? So, and so when I was thinking about a portfolio, it's like you're 
front page or like your home page is like that's what's going to grab their attention like there has to be something cool on there or something that kind of showcase your personality or just something that would at least make them like kind of glance at it for even if it's just like 15 30 seconds but then on top of that I thought a lot about of like well then what's going to make people stay and actually look through my pages I mean things so like I spent more time honestly just looking at like my homepage but then like my about page and really sharing about like who I was where I was coming from why I wanted to do UX research or HCI because like Aditi mentioned like portfolios are just very visual in nature and it's like a lot of our if like we do have like artifacts like journey maps empathy maps like personas or things that we use even data visualizations to kind of like depict our research findings but it is pretty text heavy and like no one's going to want to read like pages and pages of like our reports, even though like we're really excited about, like I'm sure as researchers, we would love to share 120 pages about these contextual inquiries we did and share all of our findings, but they're not going to care like about the whole thing. So really considering like how to make that concise, like Joshua mentioned how he started on Wix. I actually started on Microsoft Word just to get like the content down because like Aditi mentioned like the advice that she talked about like frame your portfolio to your content not the other way around so I was trying to like figure out like okay well what do I actually want to put on there like what am I how do I want to lay it out in terms of just the words themselves and then I started building the portfolio but yeah so that's kind of like what so some considerations I guess to sum it up is just like to just reiterate I guess what you guys already talked about, which is like the audience. And then also, I guess, like what type of content you want to show and like, and it's also, I think personally, it's okay to emphasize one aspect of your portfolio over another. Like if you don't want to, like, if you don't want to do animation, if you want to do like cool fonts and colors, it's okay to do that. Like just stay true to yourself. I think it's a something to keep in mind. But first I want to throw it back to you, Hershali. <laughs> also as a seasoned researcher and HCI professional, what do you keep in mind when you're looking at your right. portfolio? Well, okay. <laughs> I don't know about my portfolio, but I think what goes into a good portfolio, I think like we can honestly go back to like old school UI design and like web design, I think is really important. Like I hate seeing a portfolio that looks very pretty, but has like terrible information architecture, you know, like where I can't find a page or I don't know where to click and what elements like lead me to another page. I think things like, you know, content hierarchies and, and information architecture are actually really important to like an effective UX portfolio. Because at the end of the day, like if I was hiring someone or if I wanted to know more about somebody, like I would want to be able to find that information more quickly. Um, so things like that are, I think, really important and just kind of like having a, an effective skeleton for, for how you're organizing content and information within pages across pages is really, is really important. I also think like echoing what uh, Victoria and Joshua kind of mentioned earlier is just like having a personality, especially because like, as you guys mentioned, like these tools like Wits, there's Squarespace, there's just so many different like web dev tools out there now that can help you set up a website, but it's easy to make them look all the same. And so I think, you know, having a personality and having a voice in your portfolio, I think makes for an interesting portfolio experience, I would say. But yeah, those are, those are maybe some hot takes. I don't know. We yeah. can get into it. Yeah, of course we can get into it. Yeah, thanks for sharing, um, everyone. I think I think honestly, like for us, I think the biggest fear when it comes to this topic is like if you made a UX portfolio that was not usable and it didn't follow like any usability principles, that would just be terrible. Anyways, but yeah, so 
Marshala just mentioned the hot takes, which is our favorite part of the re- of these episodes. So as we're kind of winding down here, the two of us already have a lot of hot takes on resumes and portfolios, but we would love to hear some of your alls. So let's hear about like terrible portfolios, bad resumes, whether you actually need them, any opinion you have about these like documents for applications, anything at all. Aditi, would you like to start us off? Yes. So one of the things that I saw when I was making my own resume was keyword madness. Basically, people putting every single kind of keyword that they think or buzzword that they that they think they're hearing a lot out there. It'll just find a place somewhere on the resume, someone actually under software. And I don't know if Harshali remembers this, uh, but in one of our resume workshops, I mentioned somebody had actually put on their software Miro and don't do that. Don't do that. It diminishes your integrity as a designer or researcher. It makes people not take you seriously um, because learning Miro takes about five minutes. So I think that would be that would be my top pet peeve when it comes to bad resumes. Wow, that was great. Aditi, what a spicy take. I've I've also seen similar things. Not Miro, but like I think I saw like Microsoft tools like under design skills or something. And I was like, okay, let's like let's chill out here. But yeah, no, that was great. Thanks for sharing that. Josh, Mm -hmm. um, do you have a hot take you'd like to share with us today about kind of this topic of resumes and portfolios? Yeah, actually. So on I've seen this a lot with like on bad resume sites, but have you seen the use of those uh, graphs? So like you see like a pie chart or bar graphs that show how skilled you are at things. <laughs> I, I don't like them. Because <laughs> you, you don't have like, you probably have a different standard in terms of bar graph to anyone else. And it just takes up space and it just, it irks me so bad. And then if I wanted to put like graphics on my portfolio and at least have it have some sort of theme, I would want it to reinforce the text and see what's on there and kind of help it along and section it. I don't need to have something that's like, I'm 35% good at uh, Figma prototyping. I don't know what that means and it doesn't seem relevant at all. Yeah, definitely. I know I know exactly what you're talking about, Josh. I've seen those too. And it is weird because it's like, with those percentages, it ends up being pretty arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Like, like when I'm imagining, I remember seeing one, it wasn't a pie chart. What is it called? Like the donut chart? Oh no. Yeah. Where it's like, it, adds up, it adds up to a hundred percent, but it's like, why are you like 10%? proficient in like figma but like 52 percent proficient in like powerpoint like there's it's just weird so i totally that's a great point thanks for sharing that i mean it goes back to just like visual design too like on a resume and stuff like that yeah for sure graphics need to have meaning they can't just be weirdly relevant to you yeah like there's a time and place for that for sure Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um great. Yeah, so um yeah, Victoria, what takes do you have? We'd love to hear. So I don't know if you guys have this problem, but like with the resume readers and like job applications, like so you want to make your resume like visually like aesthetic, but all the tools that let you do that don't make documents that are readable to these things. So like 
the most readable one you can make is in like Microsoft Word, but then you can't make it look nice. <laughs> so then like, where's the trade-off between making it look nicer, trying to fill out job applications really quickly, and then you have to go through the form one by one and correct all the different fields. So yeah, that's pretty annoying. That, yes. Definitely. Yeah, because it's like we're all expected to have like more visually appealing resumes, like not the typical black and white, like default font on Microsoft Word or something. So it's like, where is that balance? You're definitely right. That was a spicy take, Victoria. Thank you. All right, Hershali, what takes do you have? Emphasis on plural, because I know you have them. <laughs> I have a lot of hot takes about this topic. Um, but just to get back to Victoria's point real quick, I think that's like some, that's like a really important point that I think we all kind of miss because we love being artistic, even like researchers, like I feel like we can get away with creating like a, a visually appealing resume, like we can manage that. But yeah, like it really messes up all these like resume reading systems. So I think like much to our sadness, I think we do need to pare down those documents a little bit sometimes. And it is very sad. But let's see, hot taste about portfolios. So I've heard from a lot of researchers, and I don't think this is true for design or engineering, actually, I, I think it's kind of unique to research is that like, they aren't as established as like, kind of like standard documents to make in research, because like, the research community isn't really about portfolios the same way like design or, or engineering might be so there's a lot of researchers I know that just kind of like stop paying for like their domain or like kind of deprecate their portfolios after they have a job like it's it's really just a place where like you can document your work and then you use it whenever you're applying to a job but once you have it it's just kind of like there and it just kind of hangs out so like when when I see people just going crazy about their portfolios I'm like yes but also like maybe this isn't everything that you need to invest into it you know but that being said i think like researchers who have solid portfolios like i have so much respect for them and, like good on you for like having that in you for building a good portfolio yeah that's a great point i there it's all research portfolios are weird because there are some researchers that are like really well known in the field and i go to their website but it's actually a link to a pdf yeah yeah straight up like Google Scholar, here's a bunch of publications, here's a bunch of stuff I did, maybe, bye. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, just amazing. But yeah, thanks for sharing that, Hershali. I think that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, I guess my hot take for this, it's actually, I'm going to go a little rogue here and Ooh. not... <laughs> <laughs> not comment on portfolios or resumes but there is something that's been really bothering me lately as we're like applying for jobs and stuff i'm sure you guys have run into it too but on an application actually two things on an application on an online version you upload your resume and it doesn't parse correctly so you have to fill in all the information like just everything you basically just have to copy and paste again like uh what was already in your resume which i kind of get like it needs to the, the system needs to like pick up on those things or flag certain things in order for you to move on and stuff. But then the other thing that just like absolutely like breaks me is when the job description says like required masters in human computer interaction, psychology, industrial design, etc. like those fields. But then when you type in the field, HCI is not an option. Yes. You can't click on it and then it's required. And then I have like a minute of like panic slash just like a breakdown of like, well, then who am I? <laughs> <laughs> 
Because then, yeah. Wait, that's all of the word day applications. I'm going to call out word day. Please add human computer yes. interaction to yes. your drop down. Please describe your major. Uh, and then you have to click computer science because you don't know what else to choose because it's not there. <laughs> oh, is that what you will put? Like this. I don't know what to put in terms of like, so uh, describe your education history. Okay, Georgia Tech, master's student. Oh, wait, what are you supposed to put for the major? Because there's no HCI there. Mm-hmm. So I, I usually end up putting computer science or something because that's like the most relevant thing. Sometimes they have digital design as an option. And I feel like that's close-ish. <laughs> I've looked. I've looked for like anything with design in it. And so I just end up putting CS because... I do appre- I do appreciate the ones that are oh, like man. other and then you can type in what you're learning. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's good design. Oh man. All the takes. <laughs> All the takes. Right. So we just want to say thank you so much to all of our guests, Joshua, Victoria, Aditi, for sharing so much wisdom about resumes and portfolios and just joining us on this episode of the HC Hive. Uh, but yeah, to all of our listeners out there, tune in next time for an episode about UX and engineering interviews. Because if you know, you know. And if you don't, yikes. Hey, just a moment. There's more. This week, we're featuring our friend AJ John. AJ is a multi-instrumentalist and musician based in Atlanta. The track is called Show You Who I Am. If you like what you hear, check out the full project on AJ's YouTube. Find those details in the episode description. And here it is. Show You Who I Am.